0: Secrets, cover-ups, and strange phenomena.
2: UFOs and ideas that challenge reality itself. All these mysteries, all this time, are we ever going to get to the bottom of these?
0: My name is George Knapp. I dig into news stories that others can't or won't.
2: I'm Jeremy Corbell, and for some reason, people tell me things they probably shouldn't. And this is Weaponize. What's up,
0: Dave. This is weaponized. Welcome back. We have a special guest, a good friend of ours. He's the ultimate hyphenate, Dave Foley, is an actor, comedian, director, writer, producer, maybe a podcaster, and a UFO guy. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. You left out disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear the origin story of the Jeremy Dave friendship. Oh my God. Uh, how many? Well, how many years has it been now? It's
2: I don't a, know. Time been, is
1: cosmic, Dave. This was. Uh, I mean, I think we, we became friends because I was on. Uh, the Joe Rogan podcast promoting a previous podcast that I was doing uh, with my friend uh, Paul Greenberg and and our wives Jackie Harris and uh, Chrissy Guerrero. Uh, we were doing a podcast that I can't really probably can't even mention the title here. Um, it's classified. Can I say it's? Well, can you swear? You can swear here, right? Yeah. We were far doing a podcast can. called uh, "Don't Say Cunt," <laughs> uh, which was a podcast where we promised to give uh, the public, the American public who hates the word "cunt," a forty-five minute window in their day where they would not hear the word and we guaranteed that for 45 minutes you won't hear the word cunt but of course we said it about a thousand times well we prefaced it so that was the premise of it and then we would just sort of riff for about 45 minutes on whatever came up and uh so we were on uh joe's uh paul and i went on uh, joe's podcast to publicize that and uh i remember the night before it i uh i texted joe and said by the way joe you're gonna be happy to hear i'm i'm deep into ufos again uh, and, uh, you know, we get something we talk about. And he texted back, that's all bullshit. I'm off that stuff. I, I, I went, you know, that stuff, I, I did, he, you know, I guess he did his, uh, he did a show on Netflix, I guess. Quest- you know, Joe questions he, he, he everything, everything. Yeah, something. and I guess the, uh, I'm guessing the producers of that show kind of funneled him towards people that were mostly crazy and annoying. Um, so he had gone, I'm totally off UFOs, it's all bullshit, it's all fake. And I said, really? And I started, so I listed a few movies that he should watch. That recent movies and one of them was uh, your Bob Lazar movie and uh, so uh, and by the by the time I, I, I was out of town like one of the time I got in, into uh, LA where he was doing his podcast then uh, Joe was back in <laughs> and one of the things that really grabbed him was your movie um, that really pulled him in and he was like just obsessed with it and so he was like said all right you've, you fucking got me back into the UFOs and he was like full bore on it and it has been since then um, but Jeremy, I guess, saw the podcast or heard about it, and I had tweeted about it. I guess about your about your movie, and so you reached out to me on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, so we went back and forth on Twitter, and then I then I went up with my with my family to stay in uh, Joshua
2: Tree. Well, I think that's when I reached out to you. I think yeah. like something somebody said. Hey, they talked about your movie, and I think at the time, you know, Joe was thinking about you know having wanting to have Bob on, but it wasn't a thing yet. And then I heard you bring it up and I was like, oh man, someone said something nice about the film. So my friends like sent it to me. Yeah. And then I think I saw you were in Pioneertown I or was. Joshua Tree. And I,
1: yeah. And I knew you were familiar with the area. So I I, yeah. I, I direct messaged you on Twitter saying, Jeremy, this is Dave. Uh, do you have any recommendations for stuff for, for me and my family to do while we're here? Yeah. And I gave so you good said, advice. You gave me a ton of lists of places to go. Yeah. And so that's when we started uh, like talking directly. Yeah. And then a little while after that was the, the whole uh, Storm Area 51 thing.
2: That's, that's when I knew Dave was fucking awesome because I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah, man, um, George and I were going out to uh, you know, Area 51. I don't know. It might be a, a riot, but you know, we got some RVs. Do you want to come like hang with us? He's like, I'm in. I was like, are you crazy? Yeah. He's like, no, I'm in. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I know,
1: and I had so many friends who were going, You can't do that. Do you know what that's going to be? You're going to get shot by, by military police. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, going, no, I don't think so. I think this will be all right. <laughs> so, for you, uh, in the course of
0: your life, have there been peaks and valleys of interest in UFOs, or it's always something in the back of your mind, or you
1: paid no attention to it for most of your life, or what? You know, I think, I, as far back as I can remember being interested in it, I think I, think I probably started with, uh, and I've been re watching it on, uh, on Amazon lately. Is the old British series UFO? Do you remember yeah, that sure. from like 1970? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and uh, not a good show. No, oh no. <laughs> but but a histori- But but as a cultural thing, it's kind of interesting. The fashion and the music and everything is kind of cool. But it was a terrible show about UFOs uh, or about Shadow, an organization uh, masquerading as a movie studio, but underneath they 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 are defending the earth against these evil UFOs, which are these conical shaped craft that spin and. But uh, interestingly, they, they did have them as uh, transmedium craft at the time. They, they these ships Look at him using, the using all these big yeah.
2: UFO terms. Now, yeah. he's fully in, but I want to bring yeah. us back a little bit. Man, you used to make fun of UFOs when you're doing I your did, comedy no, stuff. Come I made, on. I did
1: comedy that involves UFOs. Really? Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did. Well, on the Kids in the Hall show, I wrote, because uh, again, so, I, so Lifeline, I was interested in UFOs. I always thought there was something, uh, there's something to it. But I didn't really, it wasn't really at the forefront of my thinking most of the time. But I always thought there was something interesting about the subject. Uh, but I wrote a sketch for the kids in the hall show called Are uh, Extraterrestrials Dull? That was like a mock documentary where basically we, we had all these people who had been abducted by, by aliens but their experience was mostly that well… They, they mostly just uh, sat around. They never, they didn't talk much. They never turned the TV off. They just sat around watching TV and they, they wore what looked like, a, their, their spacesuits looked sort of like a green cardigan. And basically, just uh, you know, and they have, they were clearly balding, but had but kept combing it over. And it was basically the whole premise was that their their encounters were aliens with just really really dull people.
0: Can we delve into this is your life kind of a thing, Dave Foley? Sure. You're
1: uh, born in Canada. You better go fast; it's almost over. Were you Were you gonna be in showbiz your whole life? Was it something oh, growing God up no, that you wanted that's to do? Never something you think about as a Canadian, uh, <laughs> at least in those days. Now I think people in Canada think about going into show business. Uh, I would say maybe partially because of uh, the Kids in the Hall success. Um, but when I was a kid, um, no, uh, entertainment, show business, television, all of that was an alien thing that happened some, somewhere far away with some sort of superhuman race that does everything, but definitely not Canadians. So how did it happen then? How did you end up in showbiz? Uh, started out, um, when I was like a teenager, I wanted to be a writer. Um, and. So, so that's what I thought I was going to do, but I was always the f- I was always the funniest guy in my group of friends growing up. So we and we moved a lot, so I had a lot of different groups to be funnier than. Um, <laughs> and one day in in high school, I was going to this alternative high school, uh, which is sort of a hippie high school. And I was riding on the bus on the, the TTC uh, with my friend Evelyn Chapea, and I was making her laugh for the whole forty five minutes. We were on the bus getting to school. And at the end of the bus ride, she said, You know, you should do stand up. And I'd never considered it. And I went, Oh, all right, I'll try writing something. And I, so I went home that night and wrote like about 10 minutes worth of material. And I figured, well, the only way to find out if it works is to go to uh, the local stand up club, Yuck Yucks. So I went down and started doing stand up at Yuck Yucks, and it worked. And I thought, OK, I'll do more of this. And I was like, and I had terrible stage fright, but I managed to get past it. And, uh, and I did. The, you know I think I did about and every like every time I would book a like an open mic set I would write a whole new uh, set of material I didn't repeat any material so I thought okay and and it, most of it seemed to work and I kept thinking well, all right I seem to be pretty good at this and then I thought I'll then I heard about Second City workshops for improv and I thought well oh, improv that's well Lenny Bruce did a lot of improv that could help uh, I'll maybe I'll take an improv course and in my first improv class I met a guy named Kevin McDonald we were paired up randomly to do an exercise. And uh, at the end of that class, we kind of hit it off. And he said, do you want to join my comedy troupe? And I said, OK, sure. How uh, hard can it be? Yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't have one at the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> so we formed a, a comedy troupe that became the Kids in the Hall. And I, and I quit stand-up and, and uh, have spent the last 40 years working with him. Kids in the Hall is
0: iconic. I mean, it's world famous. So you it's have...
2: officially
1: iconic. We got an award in Canada called <laughs> the Canadian Icon Award.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I remember, you know, growing up and and seeing that and watching that. I mean, you know, I don't know, 45 or something now, but like I remember the whole time I was growing up, it was it was so fucking funny to a kid. You know what I mean? I know it appealed to yeah. a lot of different audiences. Yeah, but yeah.
1: But yeah, definitely, uh, I mean, young people were, I guess, our our our. Key demographic. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. you you got us, man. People a little younger than us. I mean, we were in our twenties. You got us. So yeah. How long did you do it as stand-up or in in in-person performance before it becomes a TV show? Well, with with the Kids in the Hall, uh, about four, uh, almost four years. Of we started doing uh, these uh, every Monday night at a club called the Rivoli on Queen Street in Toronto, and Queen Street was sort of the hipster district, kind of the West Village of Toronto. and so we, uh, we were doing these shows every Monday where we would write an hour of new material every week. And we advertised that anytime you come to a Kids in the Hall show, you'll see an entirely new show every week. Wow! And so we did that. And then we would improvise for an hour after that, just to fill it up so you got your money's worth. Um, and we did that for about four years, almost. At least uh, well, after Scott joined. Well, yeah, we did it because we did it for at least a year before Scott joined. And then, yep. by, after, by after after Scott joined, we we by eighty. We got scouted by Saturday Night Live in eighty five. Two of our two of our guys got hired as writers. Mark and Bruce got hired as writers. The end of that season, um, Lauren Michaels, who kept hearing about us, uh, from because when we originally got scouted, Al Franken flew up. And saw us do a show in an empty Rivoli Theater, just us doing a show just for Al Frank and I think Jim Downey and our friend Dave Thomas from SCTV. Oh wow, we're the only people in the audience. <laughs> so we had so it's like you know these you know bunch of comedy nerds in their twenties doing a show for like legends, um, and so they got hired. But uh, they were terrible at writing for Saturday Night Live. They got nothing on the air. But throughout that whole year, people like Catherine O'Hara and Marty Short kept telling Lauren, "You got to see these guys together." And eventually, uh, Lauren, at the end of that season of SNL, flew up and actually sat in the Rivoli with a full crowd and watched us do one of our shows. And at the end of that, he decided not to bring anyone back to Saturday Night Live, but instead to try and sell a brand new show with us as a
0: troop, four years of being on stage, new stuff every week, learning the timing and, and mm-hmm. improv, and it, that's that's a great way to perfect the craft. And, right. and to develop
1: incredible arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because once we once we caught on in Toronto, we had this great crap. This uh, it, was a, it was a room that was supposed to hold about 150 people, and there were usually about 400 in there. Oh man! And uh, there was always a wall of cigarette smoke that you could we couldn't see past the lip of the stage really. It was just this this wall of cigarette smoke, and that was it. TV show goes on the air. Is it a hit? Uh, no, never. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we thought it would be. It's a cult classic kind a of a thing? A cult immediately. Yeah, yeah, immediately a cult. Uh, Yeah, it was we were uh, as I have ma- as I I've, I've steadfastly never gone beyond this range of being a, a critic's darling uh, So yeah, we went on the air and we got r- like rave reviews all all over the place um, uh, and And it and didn't did, did okay like we were on HBO at first on uh, in the States and and then later They reran the, sh- the shows reran on Comedy Central uh, and then we were on CBC in Canada, and we did well, uh, you know, and well enough to sort of stay on the air with with Lauren Michaels constantly fighting the head of HBO who wanted to cancel us always, because he was he didn't he liked more like political. He's comedy. your champion, though. Yeah, Lauren Michaels kept would would fight with HBO and and uh, use his leverage and you know to keep us on the air, and that was basically we got, I think we got canceled every season. With the kids in the hall, and every season, Lauren would find a way to keep us on the air. Your fans are
0: die-hard lifers. Uh, oh, it's, yes. it's like uh, Monty Python in a, a lot of ways. You we, know, the fans we like were...
1: to consider ourselves to be a very distant second-best sketch comedy troupe of all time, <laughs> after Python. Who are the you know? Because Python are the Beatles. So, you know, and I think we used to always get asked, are you guys the new Beatles of comedy? And we'd we no, we're, we're the replacements. <laughs> You're the we're, Dave yeah. Clark Five. Yeah we're, uh, yeah, we're maybe the Pixies. I think, um, you know.
0: And so are you, are they your idols? Are they your role models? Is oh, that Python, what you aspire oh my God, to? yes,
1: definitely. Yeah, I grew up watching Python from like the age of six, I think. Uh, in Canada, we got it at the same time as the British got it. So my parents used to keep us up, you know, to watch Python when I was a little kid. And so I watched, you know, was watching at, you know, I can't remember not knowing Python.
2: Did, did you ever get to meet any of the guys? <laughs> who had, yeah, yes. I remember something yes. about this, yeah. Well, I actually
1: had dinner with Eric Idle last night. Oh, man, uh, <laughs> what a name dropper. Uh, look at It was that. amazing. Yeah, Eric, Eric no, Idle last night. Seriously. Yeah, I got to I got to meet um, uh, Eric through through my good friend, uh, Mike Geyer, who is better known as Puddles the Clown, Puddles Pity Party, yeah. Who yeah, a lot yeah. of people, if they watched America's Got Talent, he was on that. Yeah, awesome. Um, but he's an amazing. He's an amazing... Uh, pantomime artist and singer just genius level and it hilarious so and so a lot of really very uh smart people are huge fans of of puddles and so i got to meet eric through uh through mike and uh yeah so i've had, had dinner with them all a few times um so what comes after kids in the hall what what comes next uh, at, well, after Kids in the Hall? Uh, you mean if it ever goes away? Yeah, uh, that's right. That's totally. Back, <laughs> or back right. then. Yeah. Well, after Kids in the Hall, well, I did, we did Kids in the Hall for um, uh, five seasons on television. Uh, I think the last two were for CBS late night. Um, and then uh, there was about a, a year of trying to find work. And, but towards the end of that year, I got uh, a call from uh, Paul Sims, who was, had been a writer on Larry Sanders' show. And uh, by, you know, with Gary Shandling. And he had written a show uh, for me, but he had, he had forgotten to tell me about it. <laughs> and in the interim, I'd actually agreed to take a CBS show that I had been turning down for about six months. But uh, I, I finally went, you know, as the bank account was getting low. And so I, I flew down to LA to make this CBS show and had to tell Paul, I can't do your NBC show. And uh, and I got down there. And while they were trying to cast my wife, I got fired. From my, from my pilot. And so I got to call Paul up and say, Paul, I, I think I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've changed my mind. I really like that yeah. show. Yeah. So I walked, so basically walked across to NBC that day and started work on, uh, on news radio. News which radio. Be, which was with the, uh, the legendary Phil Hartman and uh, the now legendary uh, Joe Rogan Yeah, and the uh, sadly legendary Andy Dick uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Maura Tierney, <laughs> Vicky Lewis, and Candy Alexander. Um, am I forgetting anyone? I, I don't think so. Maybe yeah, I, was,
2: I saw that. You told me about that, that you and Joe are on this like sitcom, and I finally watched it. It was so cool, man. That's a and funny it was, show. It's a oh, funny it was, show, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's OK. Oh, it we had such a, the writing staff was so was great. I mean, Paul's gone on to like work on pretty much every interesting comedy show since then. Yeah. Like, he worked on uh, Atlanta, uh, Girls, uh, Flight of the Concords, and now he's, he's working on um, What We Do in the Shadows. So he was a great, great comedy writer, and uh, and he put together this amazing staff, and and he put together this cast that was just unbelievable. Oh, I, oh, I left out Stephen Root. Oh yeah, Stephen Root, who yep. is of course uh, now people know from uh, everything they ever watch ever. Uh, he is in it. Um, are you in Rogan buddies? Do you bond on that show? Do oh you? yes, yeah, yeah. We were all like we were a very tight cast, like very like immediately became like family. Uh, so yeah, I yeah still. Yeah, I still think of Joe as a, as a very good friend, and you know, I love Joe. Yeah,
2: I remember when I got my first Apple computer. It was one of the grape ones. Do you remember those when they were shipping oh, the them? Oh, the yeah, the pretty ones. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And I remember I was asking my brother, like, Hey, I need to edit some of my martial arts demonstrations I was doing for kids. You know, I thought they're kind of. I was like, What? I don't know how to edit. And you know, so funny because I was just playing around with it then. But I got this grape Mac and a bug's life shipped with it so oh right are you yes. familiar with a bug's those. life yeah I remember why are you familiar
1: with that yeah because because i'm the voice of flick okay <laughs> i'm the lead ant in a bug's life
2: <laughs> so hilarious yeah. i remember getting that you know i was just editing jujitsu videos it comes with this like. You know, Bugs Life thing. I was just transfixed. It was so cool. And then he had later ended up telling me, you know, so he was the main voice for it, which is mm. pretty cool. You remember that Bugs Life? Yeah, I sure it's, do. And it's kind of, it's kind do of do the an, forgotten
1: Pixar movie. Yeah. Did you did do voice. another
0: animated movie, or are you a voice in
2: another? I did. Movie? I, well,
1: I did Monsters University yeah. for Pixar yeah, yeah, as well yeah. with uh, yeah. Sean Hayes, and I played a two-headed monster, <laughs> uh, which was fun because they let Sean and I uh, improvise. They they brought us in so we could record together, which is rarely ever done. Yeah, because the animation has to match. The, yeah. yeah, and, and usually the scheduling, it's easier to just bring actors in on their own. But because they wanted us to be a two-headed monster, they thought, well, you know, and they're both, you know, we both have a, a history of improv. So yeah, so we got to actually work together in the studio for that one. So you, how many other series have you done? Oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've done guest spots in, you know, probably dozens. Um, I was uh, one, in the regular cast of Ken Jong's show, Doctor Ken. Uh, did a did a show for CBS that ran for two weeks. Oh, two called weeks. How to be a <laughs> gentleman, which is you know, uh, it was actually not a bad show, but it, it it only it, and we we got double the ratings of our competition, but we were on CBS and they expect really high ratings, um, so they canceled us after two weeks. Um, what else? But I've been Fargo, the most recent. I'm now on Fargo. yeah, just finished shooting season five of fargo up in up in calgary which was amazing uh great with uh you know juno temple and john ham are kind of the leads and we got joe carey from did
0: you tell Things. dave to wear the eye patch this time i mean no didn't we... so he did reveal, yeah. he did
2: reveal in an audio episode of weaponize we, we we pulled him in about balloonapalooza about what was right. going on with ufos right. and he did reveal that he wears an eye patch uh, for the new Fargo season, he did, wasn't sure if he could tell us. So yeah, you're in, still not okay. Okay, still not. <laughs> we might blank this out. Yeah. But like, uh, so you're in a number of episodes of the Fargo. I mean, by the I mean, way, is just one of the coolest shows yes, on. Yes, it's a television. great series. Yeah. If people haven't watched it, each season is different. An and,
1: entirely new cast every season, entirely new storyline. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's little threads to previous seasons and, and to the original movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's and Holly is this. Uh, Genius writer and producer. Yeah, it's he just gonna be epic,
2: man. I can't wait to see that. It's, yeah. yeah, it's
1: the cast is amazing. The scripts for this season are fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was a really fun experience, you know. Even if sometimes it was at 30 below in Calgary.
2: Right, and yeah. you also recently rebooted Kids in the Hall.
1: We did. We did a season six. We call it uh, <laughs> on Amazon. They call it season one, uh, but we call it season six of this show with a 27-year hiatus. Um, yeah, we did eight episodes, and and to again, critical darlings. Um, actually, the best reviews I think we've ever gotten. We got we got a one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. I,
2: I think that's because he did full frontal in episode one and just showed the world that Dave Foley's made. <laughs> I have
1: yeah. a, a crowd pleasing penis. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And it wasn't just me. Kevin Kevin had his has his out too. Hide your so, eyes,
2: ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. And how does
1: it work on
0: Amazon? Do you ha- you don't have ratings like Nielsen ratings for no. TV shows? But how do you, how do they measure
1: if it's a success or not? I think they use the I Ching. Uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how they do it. Uh, clearly not in a way that I approve of, because um, they said not to do a second season. Really? I yeah. Yeah. But uh, and it was uh, yes. Yeah, so I don't really know what they're what. Uh, how they make their decisions but it was really a fun thing to do and it was one of those things where you know even we were uh, we were as I think nervous as our fans that we might be shitty after all these years and uh, that we might not have any good sketches in us uh, but it was kind of as soon as we got in the writer's room we kind of I sort of went oh okay oh that's pretty good all right that's good too that's you know and, and everyone seemed to have ideas for stuff that was that seemed new and you know, we we didn't want the show to feel you know overly nostalgic.
2: What, what is what is part of your process when you're you know writing this this comedy for for the new kids in the hall? Is it just Sitting in your hotel room having Jeremy ship you legal psychedelic mushrooms, that or is there more to it? Is there more to Mi- it?
1: Microdosing the mushrooms made it much easier to get through.
2: <laughs> I was like, Dave, you're in Canada. Yeah. It's legal there. I'm yeah. sending you it's something. Not really. <laughs> it's not legal, but okay. it's, it's a gray
1: area. It's a gray yeah. area,
2: but I, I was like, I looked online, where can I ship literally? It's like yeah. you're sending this to Dave Foley, shipped yeah. him so and you know, trying to microdose and see if with the creative process, did that help?
1: Oh my god, yes. Oh, I think uh the microdosing, well, it, kept, I, it really kept any desire to murder the other kids in the hall at bay, because <laughs> um, that's a big part of our process—is not murdering each other yeah. uh, as we as we fight about uh, what we're going to do.
2: And I think you lied to get that show. You said everybody's on board. We're going to do oh, a yeah. Kids in the Hall reboot. You totally oh, lied.
1: Yeah, I call Yeah, I started calling up uh, uh, Broadway Video. Uh, I think in '80. Um, God, when was it? I guess '88. 80, because eighty nine was going to be our thirtieth anniversary, uh, not eighty. Eighty nine was when we started. Sorry, two thousand eight.
2: Okay, that makes. So more for
1: two thousand nine, for our, I thought we should you know, start calling them and say, you know, you know, we're all interested in doing something to, you know, celebrate our thirtieth anniversary of, of starting on the air, and it would be great, and we'd all really, you know, we just feel emotionally that it would be great if we could do it with Lauren again, and that would, and, uh, and yeah, I hadn't talked to any of the other guys uh, about it at the time, and it wasn't until I think till I'd gotten. Uh, Broadway video, like thoroughly on board, and we started getting offers from Netflix and Amazon um, to do it. Then I then I kind of got the guys involved, and uh, and that you know, in about six months of trying to convince them that it was a good idea.
2: Yeah, well, I, I'm curious, man, because you, you know I I got to know you through the common interest we have in the UFO topic. Mm-hmm. Do do people in your like your friends, the people you tell about your kind of newfound uh, respect and interest for the mystery UFOs. Do they think you're just fucking crazy, or like?
1: What? Oh yeah, well, there's not definitely a lot of people that glaze over and go, "Well, why are you why are you talking about this? What, what were you serious?" Uh, and then there's other people. Since I started talk like talking about it publicly, because this going back, I think I started uh, like talking about it seriously. I think after I saw, and I saw it late was uh, James Fox's uh, uh, Out of the Blue. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that because that was made quite a while ago, but I think I saw it about seven years ago, mm-hmm. and went okay. And, and hearing all these accounts from from military and and politicians and you know and, and scientists and going oh okay. And hearing the history that I didn't really know about, so I think okay, this is really a serious thing, and it's crazy that more people aren't talking about it. And I started getting obsessed with the um, also the, the social conditioning that that precludes people from talking about it or even thinking about it yeah so it's going that even with all this incredible evidence like i'd never heard about malmstrom until watching that movie and um and then uh so that got me more and more serious. i started talking about it more and and, uh publicly and then also people started reaching out to me uh with their stories about things they'd seen and a lot of people in show business uh, but who would not talk about it publicly and that's why I sort of thought more and more that, well, I think I should just keep doing this because it's somebody should. Are
0: you going to spill any of that? Any of these names of people in the UFO closet? Um, <laughs> no, I won't.
1: <laughs> I won't. But hopefully,
0: they'll hopefully eventually, they'll start to feel more comfortable about it. You'd think creative people, Hollywood kind of people, movies, TV, that they would be interested in this kind of stuff, if for no other reason than it's commercial. ET, UFO movies, mm-hmm. boom, they're big buttons. Yes, as
1: long as it's fictional. But if you tell somebody you actually saw something, you're now a crazy UFO person. Especially, um, I mean, I, I consider myself to be pretty far to the left of the political spectrum. And most of the people I I know are. And I think particularly people on the left are really terrified of being associated with the subject. Um, because we on the left think of ourselves as the rational scientific ones, not those crazy right-wingers. And... Uh, Only buck tooth hillbillies believe in UFOs or yeah, something like that. Yes. So I think, the, you know, I, I remember... Uh, as I said I remember reading you know, like reading and I don't really remember it well enough to quote it properly but reading like Noam Chomsky's Manufacturing Consent years and years ago and he talked about how uh, you don't really need massive conspiracies to control like the media all you need to do is create a framework where there are things that sensible people discuss and that sensible people ignore and once you create that framework then you can you know then you can you can. Uh, you don't have to lean on the media. They'll police themselves. They'll censor themselves. And the UFO story is one that was very effectively conditioned out of public consciousness, especially on, on the left. Uh, you know, because we want we want to be associated with smart people like Carl Sagan. Well, you can see it happening now.
0: I mean, Fox. Whatever you think about Fox News yeah. has covered this issue in a very straightforward way. The know? only ones. Very straightforward. And because of that, I think CNN and MSNBC have been reluctant to jump into it. That's a Fox story. Can't be true. I'm not covering it.
1: Oh, I know. I mean, I, I actually tried tried to get uh, Katie Turr's attention on the subject when she was on the beat covering the Trump campaign. Uh, I had tweeted about her and gotten a response from her because it turns out she was a Kids in the Hall fan. Um so there was that connection so we so we communicated a little bit back in that during that campaign
0: so you see her with neil degrasse tyson coming on there debunking ufos and you reacted to it
1: yeah i just said you know uh, you know you know because he's then there saying that uh, in science we learn to love the question and as his way of saying that uh you know uh and then i said and i sort of tweeted back I said well that's what a lot of serious people in the ufo community are doing they do love the question without having an answer most of the serious people Will tell you flat out no no one has an answer and they will also tell you that yes at least 95 percent of everything is uh, prosaic and and not interesting Uh, but when you're when you get into millions of sightings and five percent of them are legit and interesting that's a lot of data that you should look at and i also said that i think when when neil degrasse tyson describes the uh the fleer footage of the tic tac video as blurry as grainy black and white footage (laughs) i said that is willful ignorance I said that is, uh, you know, because that is not just that is that is footage from an extremely advanced uh, weapons targeting system, on one of the most expensive airplanes ever built, and uh, and is you know run by highly trained people whose lives depend on knowing what they're talking about. So calling that grainy black and white footage is just willfully ignorant
0: as if they think that we have imax cameras up on these warplanes you know floating around out there well
2: i mean we we do have good footage from reaper drones as we saw that with the the russian plane so there there is high quality footage that we are not getting we have weapons platforms space-based satellites that have some of which we've learned through the russian documents are dedicated to looking at the UFO problem, so we're just not getting all not the getting data. Not getting the best stuff. No. We're not getting the best stuff. But no. but
1: that is no excuse for dismissing what we are getting.
2: It's it's zero excuse that when Neil deGrasse Tyson said that, I actually made a little video. Uh, you know, I was talking to my buddy Sean, who's a comedian as well, and. It was so ridiculous to me that somebody who is a scientist wouldn't be salivating over what we do have, the evidence that we do have. Yes, It's completely dismissive based upon some idea. And you, you keep bringing this up to me you know, the idea of manufacturing consent. Ever since we started talking about UFOs, you keep bringing up to me this idea of how you can get people to dismiss this topic by creating some kind of social stigma. Can you kind of explain to me what you see is going on from, from Twitter, from where people are, you know, just full on debunkers, people that mm. don't want to look at the proper evidence to what we saw in Congress, where they, where they only show one piece of nine pieces of corroborative visual evidence. What, what do you see? In the world no. right now, about how people are handling this.
1: Well, I think even in the, when they, in Congress, they leaned on like you know a Twitter debunker mm-hmm. as their as their way of, of of giving the media an out in Congress and out from taking it seriously. We're talking about like the uh, the USS Russell footage. Yeah. Uh, right. So they 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 leaned on this completely unsubstantiated debunking um, and. They just and they and they even you know admitted when asked now did did you guys do this study about this bouquet effect and they said no but we are aware that it has been done yeah you know and it's like you can always create um an image that might uh plausibly uh be similar to another image right and and say there you see I, i was able to create this it looks sort of like that so obviously that's fake too yeah it would be like but that would be sort of like the same if i went out in my yard And hung up a a white disc from a from a wire and shot it and said, Look, the moon. I haven't you know, it looks like the moon. I haven't proven that the moon doesn't exist. It's all like, I've proven is that you can create it through other means.
0: Yeah, or like a $100 bill can be counterfeited, therefore all hundreds are counterfeits. Yeah, the,
2: the, the thing that drives me crazy about that, I mean, first of all, it's, it's really hard because George and I might have a little additional information than is public. So, and mm-hmm. I understand people's frustration they want to know the shapes of these things. What's going on? Is there a camera artifact? I I get that. Yeah. But when you reduce something to just one thing that you're trying to isolate, you, you willfully are being ignorant and, and yes. you're perpetrating. And, and, and deceptive and manipulative. Totally deceptive and manipulative. Because what you're doing is you're isolating something down to one point and you're not we have people that came forward that saw on multiple ships and talked about these swarms, right? Yeah. You're trying to say one thing you're seeing in a video is not correct because you're, you're just dismissing every other well, piece of evidence. So I that had that argument with a,
1: pop, with a popular debunker when uh, on Twitter. I had a lengthy back and forth with him on Twitter mm-hmm. um, about the Tic Tac video. And where I kept, see, where he kept giving his debunking, and I said, well, for, I said, first off, I don't think you're qualified to analyze the data on the screen. Uh, and from what I understand, the people who are qualified to analyze that data totally disagree with you. And you're only looking at this video. You aren't looking at all the corroborative evidence that goes along with right. this video. You aren't, you aren't dealing with the fact that you had uh, radar operators viewing these objects for a week before this, and you aren't dealing with the fact that you had two Top Gun <laughs> pilots. Uh, Viewing this from two different angles, from two different positions in the sky, uh, who are trained at observing anything in the sky, Uh, you're you're completely dismissing their testimony. And he said, "Well, all I can look at is the video." I said, "No, that's not all you can look at. I said you can take a holistic view of all the evidence, or you can shut up." Yeah, that's all you. That's all
2: you you want to look at because you you have a target answer you can
1: explain. Yeah, you got, and you're not really explaining anything. You know, I mean. Basically, just even in his explanations, you know, when he says, Oh, the, the tic tac didn't, didn't pop off the screen, uh, they just turned off the object. And I said, Well, that isn't what the guy who shot it says. He says he tried to lock on it and he couldn't hold it.
2: Oh, and additionally, I mean, if you talk to Commander Underwood, so Commander Underwood came forward to, to me first, and mm-hmm. I put him on video, and what we talked about was that he actually asked. The, the, he, he signaled back to the ship with, with the SPY1 radar and said, where did it go? Like, it just left. Where did it go? And they're like, it's nowhere. Mm-hmm. He's like, we have a 360 understanding of what's around us. So to dismiss that information, you're yeah. just trying to prove your point.
1: Yeah. And a popular dumb thing that debunkers say or people that like debunkers say is, you know, eyewitness testimony is the worst kind of testimony. And I go, well, you're right. In this context, uh, there's a bank robbery you're a customer in the bank you're terrified you're panicked you're not paying attention you're not so you might not you might not get the details right you might not be able to describe the bank robber correctly you might misidentify somebody in a lineup based on your experience there so yes that kind of eyewitness testimony is not great um, but here's another kind of eyewitness testimony uh, say I walk through a through a park and I uh, after I walked through the park, you said, describe all the plants and trees that you saw in the park. And I'll say, well, there was some grass, there was some deciduous trees, some some conifers, a palm tree. Uh, That's what I saw. But if uh, I walked through that park with a a botanist, (laughs) his (laughs) observations of walking through that park are gonna be a lot better than mine. They will be expert observations. And a fighter pilot is similarly different from me in the sky, because a fighter pilot, is trained uh, in advance to be really aware of, of the environment, is trained on everything that could be up there, everything that should be up there, everything that shouldn't be up there, and and knows how to identify all of these things, knows how to read this, the systems on his plane uh, or her plane, uh, and and is trained to do this to, an, to such an extent because they are, first off, in charge of a multi-million dollar craft, and if they don't learn how to do this, they die. Yeah, They're going into situations where there are other people who are just as well trained as they are who want to kill them. And if they don't know how these systems work and if they don't know how to visually uh, identify things in the sky, they die. And, um, and they are trained also with the notion that after every mission they will be debriefed. So they go into every mission knowing that they need to have the those data points locked in their consciousness to be debriefed afterward so that's different from eyewitness testimony that people sort of flippantly say is yeah. is pointless there's yeah. a guy named uh, Phil Corso
0: Lieutenant Colonel Corso who worked at the Pentagon who I met him in 1992 5 years before the UFO world ever heard from him he wrote a book called The Day After Roswell very controversial but I've a, read that, a, a lot of people find that he, him to be credible at least parts of his story he really was at the place where he said he was, but I had asked him in those years before he became known in the UFO world, "What about disinformation, active programs to discredit UFO researchers?" He said, "We didn't have to do that. You just let the UFO people go at each other on their own. We, we didn't have to have discrediting programs. They would do it for us." You know, mm-hmm. and
1: it's true. It's an incredibly dysfunctional field. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. so much of it is so much of it is about people's beliefs and desires. Yeah, and you know and wanting to find something larger you know whereas I think you know I mean I come to where I, I didn't really want to find something larger I was very I was very content with being an atheist and a scientific you know materialist reductionist you know that everything everything you know everything is just is physical in its nature you know I was happy with all of that I wasn't looking for anything larger than that but the but this the stories and the data Sort of make you go, mm, yeah. All right, I mean, the world is more complicated than that.
2: I, I'm, you know, sometimes I'm overwhelmed with how much information that, that George and I get. You know, some of it is like we try to publicly release it, but it's just all of that information. Sometimes it's hard because we know there there's other data that would just, I'll give you a specific example. We released the Mosul orb, which was a single image from a four second video that was in a classified briefing to explain to the armed services of what UFOs are, how to identify them. It was an example that was given. Now, we're we're unable to release the video. There's nuances to this, but the image we released, so you can start saying immediately, you can say any debunking thing, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a water drop, it's a hole in the ground. I heard something crazy, stupid like that. If the video was released by our government, all of that bullshit goes out the window. It's not our position. Our position is to poke and to inspire the process to work properly. As journalists, we're reporting, we're giving the public something they didn't have that is verified within a classified briefing. We're lucky to be able to get it out as it's inherently unclassified. That's the extent of our ability and job. Instead of getting super hungry and fighting for that video to be released and really getting good analysis, you get people within 30 seconds Trying to debunk it, not trying to analyze it, not Mm -hmm. trying to look at it, understand it. We did our best. It's up to people. And you,
1: and you, and again, you have a a media infrastructure that is hungry for those debunkings. Explain that to me. Because they don't want to chase. Because they're the people more than anyone. Like the you know, the newspapers of record. You know, like the you know, the Washington Post, the New York Times. um, You know, MSNBC, NBC, larger. You know, CBS. All of these people. Should be hungry to find, should be going after that, going, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, why? Let's find out what that is. Let's ask some questions. Let's do some follow up. You know, it, like as they did on this stupid spy balloon, you know, uh, which couldn't be a more boring story. But the press l- latched onto that because they knew it wasn't going to take them anywhere dangerous. It wasn't going to take them into UFOs. It wasn't going to take them into. Um, you know the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Um, it was going to take him someplace safe. Chinese, the Chinese did it. We're safe. Um, and you know, and and the, as we talked before, the contrast between that and how the press uh, completely, when they were fed the notion that the Russell, the the things that were swarming, the the Russell were were. Chinese drones.
2: Well, let, let's be clear. It they was, walk it was, away. It was ten warships over a hundred yes. mile radius. Yes, we have direct eyewitnesses. hundreds of objects. Hundreds of objects. We have direct eyewitnesses that have testified on this show through yes. audio that they were like tasked with looking at the Bass Strait, making sure these things weren't launching or landed. They wanted them to be launching or landing from a Chinese vessel. They could explain yep. it. Day and if, done. And if you want easy to attain proof
1: that it wasn't coming off the Bass Strait.
2: The Bass Strait was allowed to leave port. You know? and, and also it was in port yeah. when a lot of this, it was in Long yeah. Beach. And we know some of the individuals actually boarded the ship. So look, anybody but that if, yeah, but if they came off there,
1: that crew would have been
2: arrested. Oh, let me tell you. So you know? anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, go watch You know, episode. Two with uh, yep. John Gutierrez, and we really lay this out. Yeah. That the fake news about this being, you know, a, a you know Chinese-operated units. Everybody on these ships, everybody that I've talked with, that George has talked with, we've talked to more people than any intelligence agency has about this series of, mm-hmm. of UFO UAP events. You can argue one little detail about it. The whole event is so important, and it's not isolated. So these swarms. Are not isolated to that one that's just the one we made public because we had mm-hmm. footage that we could put out yeah
1: and the radar tracking and the yeah radar. but the way
2: they didn't handle that they tried to on wikipedia and everybody tried to make everybody believe these are just chinese drones of some sort but what is the difference in the reaction that you're trying to highlight right now
1: well that that when we when it truthfully is a chinese object the spy balloon the military are quite open about it. Push the story right. to the media. Uh, will give endless interviews about it. Do press conferences about it. Uh, the press and the press will just will cover it nonstop for like what two weeks. We had nonstop coverage of this of this balloon uh, that traveled at the speed of the prevailing winds. You know, followed the prevailing winds across the country and then got shot down easily. Um, so they they latch onto that and covered endlessly. But, uh, so if, if, if Chinese technology surveilling uh, American military bases is really a big story and important, why did they completely ignore a story of Chinese drones coming off the Bass Strait, swarming American, uh, you know, uh, battleships yeah. and support ships? And, and uh, so why, why wasn't that a story? It's also pretty glaring in what is made public. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, we got to see that balloon being blown up. Yeah. Uh, we, we know that uh, they have not released the video of the other three objects that are supposedly unknowns. Yeah. Just, ca- just can't release that stuff. That'd be violating national security. Yeah. Uh, but we did get to see video that was released from a Reaper drone of a Russian plane spraying with fuel. Yeah. Somehow national security was not violated with that when we wanted to make a point to piss off the Russian. You know? Yes. If
1: it fits with the political agenda yeah. at that time. And if it doesn't lead to questions that they don't want asked?
0: You know, uh, the fact is that investigating this stuff is hard. And mm-hmm. maybe that's why Katie Turr or some of her colleagues don't dig into it, because it's hard. It's hard to get reliable information, to get corroboration from additional censors, to find credible witnesses who are willing to go on the, on the record. It's hard. And that's why we're very careful in, in what we pursue. Debunking is not so hard. All you got to no. do is say, no, it isn't. It's a bird. Well, it's not a bird. Uh, well, then it's a it's a balloon. It's a drone. It's a, you know. It's yeah. a, a kite. It's or, whatever. or Neil
1: deGrasse Tyson. It's a glitch in the in the equipment. Yeah. Just throw
0: yeah. out whatever uh, and see what sticks on the wall, yeah. and that's your debunking. Well, process. yeah, and
1: I love when Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's a glitch in the equipment, and if you say it isn't a glitch in the qu- equipment, prove it. Yeah. And I mean, the, and it's like, but how about this, Neil? How, how about the, you prove? How about you you look into it? You prove it, <laughs> or how about you look at the logic of that? So you're saying it was a glitch in not one system, but every single system, every single system had the exact same glitch that created the exact same corroborative evidence of eyewitness testimony
0: and our top aviators and made a mistake too yeah.
1: yeah so they made a mistake or, or the other thing i love people say uh, it's stress from from being from being in the air too long
2: and well, I'm going, yeah, so, so stress can be picked up on multiple radar systems. Yeah,
1: no, the pilots are hallucinating because they're because their they're, they're, their missions are too long, long. flights. Yeah, so one, like, so yeah, like so fighter pilots don't do long <laughs> missions. Yeah. This isn't like the the B 52s of you know of of the Cold Dr. War Doctor Strange era. love flying yeah. over the or yeah. we fly twenty four hours
2: a day. I, I didn't know that stress could be picked up on radar, but thank no. you for clearing that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm it, it's kind of demoralizing when I see the response. This very little world of UFO Twitter. Like when we yes. put something out. When we put out the Baghdad Phantom, when we we put out the Mosul Orb, this is reaching hundreds of millions of people. They're getting to see government filmed, identified as UAP UFO. Again, as journalists, we we were not there, but we're putting out something the world has never seen. It's so demoralizing to see in this little circle in, in UFO Twitter where people just listen to these bullshit debunking attempts, where they should see very clearly, they're just trying to dismiss this instantaneously. They'll pre-bunk stuff before they even look at it. Well, yeah, it's, what's his name? Julian Barnes. Is yeah. That his name? Yes. Who's right. that? Yeah, New, he was York, the New, York, New York Times. He was the New York Times. He's a New York Times uh,
1: writer, uh, but clearly did what was. Uh, I, actually, I, ha- I had coffee with Leslie Kane a little while ago, and we talked. We were talking about just but that. You know, his his article, his what he wrote, should have been on on the op ed page. Because mm-hmm. it was not news. It wasn't reporting. Oh, he it wrote a bullshit article. That, it, but, that uh, all these, yeah, it's all, uh, yeah, that uh, the upcoming report, which did yeah. Come yeah. Up for come month. just a month before and,
0: the report came out, it's all going to be explainable. Yeah, it's all going to
1: be just so so plastic bags. York, it's drones and hold on, stuff like that. It's plastic New York bags. Times. It's weather balloons.
2: So that was a New York Times article pre bunking what hadn't even come out. I mean, if people don't see. I don't, if people don't see directly through that, we got no hope for people. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's yeah. I, the, It's frustrating to me trying to, you know, with George, bring information forward and having not people do that. People that do that's fine. But people that just blindly it's willful ignorance yes. to just blindly look at that and
1: be like, Yeah, that's good journalism. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and it's and it's and it's not harmless either. That's the other thing I think people forget. Explain. Is the debunking is not harmless. Lie I mean the, the, the program going back to the fifties, the program of ridicule and debunking has destroyed lives. It has and it is, you know, in a big way is like like people that were very public have, have had their lives destroyed. Um, Suicides. Suicides, Not, yes. Yeah. And and ordinary people have been damaged because they've had their, their sanity questions. People who've just seen something in their backyard. People who have been seen something on a camping trip or on a while well, they're flying well, they're traveling on a plane. All these people who've seen things and and with the best intentions talked about it are told they're insane. And people who are afraid to talk about it are also told they're insane, so they keep it a secret. What? So there's real damage done. By and, the debunking.
2: And, and there's there's personal attacks. That's the thing. I used to enjoy yeah. going on social media and engaging with, with folks, but there's like all these coordinated attempts to try to demoralize you, like as if we shouldn't be reporting the news, as if we shouldn't be putting yeah. out the stuff that we've vetted and verified and spent a lot of well, time. It, you it's you atten- someone like James like James McDonald.
1: Yeah. Oh, who yeah. who yeah. who questioned the uh, the Condon uh report uh publicly. Basically, his career was was over. Uh, whenever he was, um, I mean, I think it was later. He was trying to testify on a totally unrelated subject. I think it was on—I forget what it was on, whether it was on pollution or, but some other subject entirely with with uh, a congressional uh, hearing. And gets
0: raked over the coals for that. He gets
1: raked over the coals. He said, "I'm not, you know, somebody who didn't want to, you know, you know, uh, like maybe have controls on pollution. I forget what the actual subject was." Said, "Well, I'm not. I'm not going to take a man who believes in little green men right. seriously." And That's right, that I remember his, that. Yeah. So he couldn't he his scientific career was dead. Took his own life. Yeah. yeah. Within a year of uh,
0: that. Uh, there's somebody that we know, we mentioned about him earlier, Joe Rogan, who yes. he really has had the power to move the needle on this topic. Because yes. he changed his mind, and you were part of changing mm-hmm. his mind. He's, he's helped back he's again. helped to change the the mood of the public on this. Now Joe is he's bulletproof, he can take care of himself. Yeah he has thick skin. I don't think he reads or pays attention to the kind of criticism that he gets, but you've seen it. You've had to see it. What your friend goes through, not only for UFOs, but other things he says as an entertainer, Mm -hmm. in order to stimulate public discussion. Yeah, and uh, you must feel for your friend sometimes. I do.
1: I mean, and again, like Joe's. I love Joe, and I, you know, and but part of being his friend, I can also disagree with Joe on a lot of things, and I can also, you know, as a as somebody who enjoys what he does. You know go all right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna maybe go to joe for medical advice (laughs) Yes, right you know uh, well he says the same thing i'm not a doctor yeah and yeah and if you know and if you if you are looking to uh you know a a comedian for your medical advice maybe maybe if things go awry (laughs) for you it's not such a loss (laughs) you know
2: i just you know i i don't know I'm, I'm, i'm hung up on this man like i i think that this is such a big looming question ufos have been something that has become part of of culture in so many ways but our military has been studying this for so long we seem to do this to ourselves when i just look at the microcosm of people being very loud about this they seem to try to stop if they had their way we would stop obtaining and releasing footage that we as journalists come up for you know that's the feeling i get is that there's like a very loud Set of individuals that we do it to ourselves. It's really I, I don't know where we go from there. Like, how do we move past that? How do we? Well, I guess part of it is not
1: is not caring. I guess yeah. I, yeah that's, I'm the thing, better, that's the other thing I'll say about Joe. I'm getting better. forget that. is that Joe is possibly the most curious human being I've ever met. Like totally curious about everything, every any subject matter at all. Yeah. You know, and I said, and, and for people to criticize Joe, it's like uh, you know, also like watch him interviewing uh, Nobel Prize winning physicists for three hours and go, how well would you do in that situation? <laughs> yeah, right. He manages to do it. He manages yeah. to make it interesting and he, and he chases his curiosity on every subject. So you, you, you know, And he does so many of these podcasts, so there, there are subjects you disagree with, you, you don't have to watch them, yeah. you don't have to agree with them, but Joe might do something the next day that you'll be very interested in. Yeah. You know, so, and I think with the UFO thing, yeah, Joe's just a guy who just doesn't care. Doesn't, you can't damage him. He's, you know, at this point, you know, if it all went away, he's fine.
2: Well, I, I just feel bad for other people. Yes. What no, I feel bad is we're, right. we're giving credible information. Yeah. And then you, you just have people buying into this like cult, like, oh, it's all dismissible bullshit. We're they, doing when it to ourselves. Yeah. When,
1: oh, no. Yeah. It, well, I mean, I don't know what you do because you can because i said all it takes is somebody somebody posting their debunking and then every, then everyone else just quotes it as totally. though it, as, as though it's proven fact you know like you'll say all three of the uh you know the uh, the famous videos oh you know they've all been debunked you no know, what do you mean they've all been debunked <laughs> well yeah. here the, the you know uh the go fast video wasn't going fast at all <laughs> it was only going a few miles an hour those guys were crazy thinking it was fast it's debunking by decree i say yeah. it's debunked therefore it's debunked yeah and you know, and uh, you know the, the gimbal video. Oh, it didn't. It didn't really turn. The camera turned.
2: Oh yeah, it was absolutely and, ridiculous. Which yeah. for me, I'm not a
1: science, I'm not a, a yeah. systems expert, but I go. Well, wait a minute. It turned in relation to the horizon. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't the horizon turn <laughs> with it? If it's turning on, if it's the camera turning, the whole image should turn. But it's just this one thing in the frame that.
2: I've I, I've been down that road you know? and in through the camera. It just it becomes so it exhausting. Yeah, it's it's like a mental gymnastics. You know, yeah. it's just constant. And and again, and then, it, and they're wrong. By the way, no.
1: And if you want to know what's in these videos,
2: go to people who are experts on those systems. Yeah. Or by the way, people that were also there, multiple people seeing it, eyewitnesses. You, yeah, yeah. And they just try to dismiss. it. So yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what I'm trying. The the frustration I'm having is just that. I really hope people can see through that absolute bullshit yeah. and start keeping with the the true curiosity of this omnipresent thing we call UFOs. This is a real issue. It's been here a long time and and it would be such a disservice to us if we just start g- making these little groups trying to debunk shit without thoroughly investigating it.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the people that we re- we rely on to investigate for us, the, the you know, the journalistic institutions I mean, I mean, George, you did, you were willing to, uh, you know, a long time ago, uh, take the risk of being tarred as the the UFO guy, you know, and there, and uh, and now, you know, and now you're being acknowledged <laughs> as kind of the the godfather of the of the. Uh, the uh, only thing more dangerous than talking about UFOs for us.
0: Is not talking about UFOs. If we do an interview, a guest like you, Dave, if we hadn't been talking about UFOs, we catch nothing but grief about it. Oh know, yeah, because they assume we're always going to talk about UFOs and only UFOs.
2: Well, people you know. that really you know like to to kind of you know learn about this, you know, they of course they're, they're excited about the UFO topic. So are we? And every conversation yeah. of ours leads to UFOs we'll eventually. There. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, our interests go far and wider than that. But yes, uh, you yes. know. But I like, let's stick on UFOs. I like that. Let's talk about it.
0: Well, I'd like to talk about your adventure. The two of you guys saw yeah. one. I mean, you know, Did, you, yeah. you had never seen one before. I know no, I've never. never seen one that I know of as as far as I can
2: remember. But you guys had one. So let's hear the story. Yeah. Finally, both of us had one. That's yeah. what, that's, yes. it's a crazy story. I, you know, I love, I, I want to hear Dave explain. We, we both, you know, we saw the same thing, but we both, different things of it really, intrigued us and so I like kind of hearing what how Dave experienced it
1: yeah well I mean it happened um, it was a night I was just visit, visiting and we were out walking to your dog yeah on a very beautiful starry night I think I don't even think there was a moon in the sky that night I don't think no. this is, the stars were so uh, prominent and in, I remember watching in the distance watching the commercial air traffic flying around and just thinking about what a clear beautiful night it was and just saying to Jeremy you know look, this would be a good night to see
2: something this yeah. be I'd like to, you know and uh so we're pretty remote by the way so we're, you know you know so where we are big no, sky no light, pollu- pollution. no light pollution it was just like a one of those beautiful nights and you know walking my pup and just kind of really enjoying the night and then this guy gets sarcastic
1: you know? yeah right, well you remember though I don't <laughs> I just remember saying I want to see this would be a great night to see something no you, you no say that, no like, no
2: hey, no. this is called you happened. out Foley goes Hey man, it's so cool coming up to hang out with the UFO expert. I was kind of hoping I'd see a UFO, You know, just kind of digging at me. I've never seen one either, never really a machine that I could say, that's a UFO. But
1: but within a few moments of asking to see something, uh, I think I was looking and I hear, and Jeremy goes, Dave, turn around. And I turn around and uh, in the distance, there's this bright orangey gold, thing kind of pulsing with orange gold light and with some white lights on the front of it, or I'm assuming it's the front, because that's the way it was traveling. Um, and and are looking at it, and it's clearly and, and you see the commercial air traffic all around it. And the difference is very stark. And it's well starts, this was
2: close, first of all. This yeah. was close compared to and other it, air and traffic. And it got
1: closer and closer to us and it sort mm-hmm. of traveled around this valley to, you know, and uh, and I think we both were thinking at the same time. Uh I kept thinking this'll be like when I'm in my backyard and I see something and I eventually realize it's oh it's just something boring. I kept thinking this is gonna get boring as it gets closer. Well, Did you say I, anything to each other as no. you're watching it? Well yeah, no. hold on.
2: Let's yeah, that was weird. So let's get into that. But I want to what you kind of missed, what I saw. Yeah. So again, I'm you know, he's taking the piss out of me and I'm thinking, motherfucker. And then I'm I'm looking and I and he's standing there and his back is to it. And from a 45 degree angle, which looked from as far as the distance could be from high up, seemed like it came from space. This thing just shot down at a 45 degree angle, just glowing, right? And then it boom hits and levels off. And so that was the first thing. And that's when I was able to say, hey, turn yeah. around. Like I, I already knew this was weird. I thought maybe it was a comet or something. I, I thought it would end up being super prosaic. I've never seen bona fide machine UFO. And we were both kind of like had never seen anything like that. When he turned around, he caught it right after. As it was
1: level. As, as it was it, level. It, yeah, it was. Yeah, it stayed on a level, like I guess what we call it, trajectory. Yeah, and uh, so from then on.
2: So that was so. Our reactions is, was a really weird thing, but before that, like what was so impressive to me, we all thought, like he and I thought, I'm sure we thought this is going to end up being something normal or a comet or something. It's going
0: to take an angle and show yeah, itself and, and yeah. show
2: itself holy shit because first of all it's over this there's mountains on both sides just right there over the sky and it was and it was big and the thing that really struck me for me and I know this is maybe different than for Dave but it it was self-luminous and it so it was like you could say it was it was glowing it was self-luminous but it would pulse with this extreme power. That's the thing that really struck me was the power that it took to do this. And and there were four pulses. And when it pulsed, it kind of went like, and there was no sonic boom. It was these these movements and and seeing it descend in from 45 degree angle and hit down and then move. It was so to me, this tremendous power because you could see it was a machine. It had these big three lights that weren't shooting yeah. like beams yeah, but they two were like,
1: smaller lights with a larger white light in the middle of it and they were pulsing too but at a different tempo than the rest of the than
2: the, the body of yeah. the craft and that that was the thing to me was it was almost comical it was like what you'd imagine drawn in a 1940s comic book i wanted to retro see
1: a, kind of retro, retro. yeah yeah. I want, you drew it, right? I did. You, I did yeah. draw a picture of it. Yeah.
2: But our reaction was pretty crazy. You know, um, I practice the quick draw my camera. I'm not going to be that UFO guy that doesn't pull out his camera, right? But I'm thinking the whole time. I'm sitting there. I literally said out loud, "I'm not even going to try to film this."
1: Yeah. And I remember hearing that and going, "It's." And in my mind, it just seemed like a, that's a weird thing. And then I also, in retrospect, I go, "It's really weird that I didn't call you out on it right away." <laughs> Uh, but neither of us except for that one time that Jeremy said yeah I'm not going to take try and try and film this uh, neither of us spoke for the entire event um, and, and it feel, felt like you were addressing somebody but it wasn't you weren't really addressing me I hadn't said anything yeah uh, you was were just saying it great. out loud like 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 somehow that thought popped into your head and
2: I, maybe it to was not do that I, for me it was just like I was so astonished by what yeah. I was seeing. I, I couldn't believe it. You had just said, made this joke yeah, yeah. to me. No, it just seemed so irrational. That, well, it, that What it, do you make of that?
0: That you say it and then boom, one appears. Is that an invocation that it appeared because you said it? Or I, it I'm,
1: I don't… it seems… Um, it seems like it was. It seems almost weirder if it wasn't, you know, that we were just coincidentally discuss this to two people who were interested but have never seen anything and there it is and how long yeah. did it last and what happened at the it end it was it was a few minutes
2: yeah a few minutes then yeah we watched it never yeah. pulled out that damn camera of my- and
1: as and as i said we and except for that we, we didn't say anything until it went uh went away behind the mountains
2: well hold on so in right. in my defense like i am astonished by what i'm seeing like i, I can't believe it that we're actually seeing one because it was so weird right after what he said in my defense if i had brought up the, the iphone the, the darkness of the sky, because it was, it was almost completely dark, there was still a little bit of light. You, you would not have a great UFO video after that. So, in my defense, I was maybe I was thinking I didn't want to hurt my eyes with the light, so I didn't miss a second of it. But also, we thought it was going to disappear. It seemed so unusual. We thought it would disappear immediately. That motherfucker hung out after it did those slips, it just kind of kept moving slow. And then it hovered, or
1: stayed in one spot, stock still. For, for uh, an extended period of time, and then and it, it, yeah, when we it went behind it descended. the Descended. Any other witnesses that have, uh, in the
0: days that followed? Hundred percent. Yeah.
2: Wiley, my dog? My dog <laughs> saw that. I think my dog yeah. saw it. UFO. Mean, any
0: newspaper accounts? No. Any reports? Nobody. So nobody. I asked. No.
2: Like I've had people in my area tell me about having pretty astounding sightings. It's a cool area for watching UFOs. People have told me about some of their really astounding sightings. When I was actually editing the Bob Lazar movie, right out on the mountain where I was editing it, there's an actor friend of mine who lives near me and he was shaken and he called me and he had seen something that looked like a kind of like a tic-tac just hovering by that mountain with like portholes. The guy was like trembling when he told me. Never told the story. He doesn't want to tell. So he was, you know, so in that area, I I don't know. But here's part of the weirdness is that that's
1: that response to it makes sense. Our response makes no sense right uh, that that we had neither one of us had any level of excitement or our adrenaline wasn't rushing. They're just kind of mesmerized. just going and very calm, very just matter of fact about it and no no as again no emotional response and and even since it,
2: I have no emotional response to it when I think about it. Be- before you talk about drawing it, I'll tell you this though. We got home and I, we built a, a bonfire, and I said I went into full investigatory mode. Okay, <laughs> tell me exactly what you saw. I want to make sure. What did he see compared to me? And is it I, the same? Yeah, it was the same. I mean, yeah. he he was able to describe the shape of it a little better than me, um, both by drawing but also in, in description. We we had uh, my, the thing that impressed me most was the, the sheer amount of raw power that it took to do that without sonic boon's because remember i saw it coming at that 45 degree angle and just stop and then move he had a kind of more personal experience with it. i think what he's saying about the way we reacted i have to chalk it up to just being astonished
1: yeah i think it's more than that because i think our astonishment we would have had some adrenaline rush there would have been some excitement because you, you know you watch people's videos of ufos on online and they're always going what the fuck is that yeah right. jesus christ what the fuck that's what is that And uh, none of that from us. And even after it, it was just like after when it went behind the mountain, uh, Jeremy just went, dude, that was a UFO. You know, in UFO lore, there are so many
0: cases of people who witness something and then they fumble for their phone or their camera and try to get it. And by the time they get it up there, it's gone. And so you have to make the decision. Do I want to see it or do I want to videotape it? Because sometimes the the two are.
1: I, 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 I felt like there was like. That our our response was not under our control, and that somehow we were led to just uh, stay calm and pay attention. Okay, you
0: you ask for it, here it is. Take yeah. a look. So it's just for you. So just look like, at it.
1: Don't get excited. Just watch it, so you'll remember what you saw, and
2: uh, and that was it. I just didn't want to miss a, a second of it. That's yeah. that's the for me. It just felt like I, I didn't. I, I hear all the things you're saying and it might be right, but I just, I didn't want to miss a second of it. And then the weirdest thing is, you know, I couldn't draw where shit. The next day he sends me, he texts me an image, but tell him about that. That was pretty neat.
1: Well, yeah, the next day I I went home and I I got out my iPad and started trying to draw it. And I opened up an app that I'd never opened up before, uh, a drawing app, and immediately found basically every tool I needed to draw it. Uh, how to sh- to shade it? To get, I got, was able to get the exact color that I wanted. Uh, was able to find an app that gave me these the sort of lens flare lighting effects for the front lights. Immediately, everything immediately like it took about fifteen minutes for me with it's no a cool knowledge. It's yeah, a cool and took, with no knowledge of the app and the fact that I have zero ability to draw. <laughs> I cannot draw anything, but I was able to even get the perspective of the of the shape of it. This kind of weird, kind of slightly triangular it was like almost like a bread roll but slightly triangular kind of uh shape to it and I was able to draw that with perspective in the in in the accurate perspective so that it you know it, it uh you know dimin- diminished as it went you know as went as as the shape of it goes away from uh the front um and it, and again 15 minutes I was done and 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 after and at, at that point I just sort of went oh don't do any anymore you knew you were done. Yeah, don't do anymore. And, and I sent it to Jeremy as soon as I finished it. And, and your answered, reaction? Is that it, it? it?
2: It's what we saw. First of all, I was like, you're a fucking great artist. How'd you do that? Like, I wanted to know, did he, how did he do that? But yeah, it, it is what we saw. And what's weird is, again, the thing that sticks with me, it was almost like a comic version of what a UFO should look like. It looked like a steampunk thing in a way. It, it was a machine and it did things that I know shouldn't have happened. It should not have been able to descend that fast, to move into that lateral line, to pulse with that glow and slip like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't ever, ever want to tell this story. You know, UFO guy sees a UFO. Come on. Yeah. But like, well, I know. I, I felt a part of me was going, oh
1: fuck. <laughs> now I have to tell people. <laughs> and I was going, I was. So it's much more pure to believe it just on the evidence. <laughs> yeah. You know, as opposed to having actually had an experience. Right. So i was going, oh, all right. You yeah. now
2: you done did it, you saw UFO. Yeah. So but the thing is I you know, I make no claims of understanding anything about this. I I, I don't know no. where it was from, what it was operating. all I know is that we do not have that tech. That was no. so obvious to me at that moment. And,
1: and um and just the weirdness that it felt like it was a like it was being presented to us. It was like yeah. a display, a performance yeah. for your benefit. Because it circled it circled the valley. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't keep it didn't go past us. Yeah. It got to where we were yeah. and hung there for quite a while, you know.
2: I don't know what to say, man. It was, it was yeah. It's all fucking weird. I don't It'd be know what interesting. To say. Well, we'll put
1: the image
0: out on this episode yeah. of Weaponized, mm-hmm. and hopefully, our our listeners, our audience, can react, or maybe some of them have seen something similar because I've never seen an image like that, I like have, what you guys showed me. Yeah, I've all. never
2: even heard yeah. of a UFO shape like that. That's the other thing. Oh, no, I no, wanted I, a disc. I wanted a cylinder. Not you know. I want yeah. to see something. I mothership.
1: Had a, I remember having a, deciding. I was I, I put it up on Twitter and and had, spent an evening just sort of discussing it with whoever wanted to discuss it. Answer whatever questions people asked. But I remember that somebody said, well, it sounds to me like what you saw was the illuminated wheel well of a jet craft going overhead. <laughs> Sometimes that it lights up just the un- underside oh, like, of the wing. So you're yeah. probably just seeing the underside of the… the yeah,
0: slow-flying airplane yeah. that was right there. I am yeah. positive <laughs> <I'm going> to... <laughs> this was not
2: <laughs> yeah. a, a bird, yeah. it was not yeah. a typical plane. Yeah. Was, we saw all that stuff. We see it all the time out there. But... And it would have been pretty
1: noisy if it was close enough that we… And, and, and it would have been… That's yeah, the, this thing's flying over orange groves at that height. I mean, <laughs>
2: that that was the eerie thing was the the absolute silence. So the the thing was was obviously larger than so at least the size of a big school bus. I mean, that you could see you could you could actually physically see that the texture. You could see the craft itself. It wasn't like something like you know so far away you couldn't make that a out. A blob no. of light, no. but no, it wasn't close you, you enough.
1: Could, you could. Feel almost feel the almost sense the texture of the the skin of it.
2: Totally, and that that color, you know, that 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 glow. I just I could I thought maybe it would explode a few times. It was it was really bizarre, man. I, I don't know story. what to make of it. Yeah. Well, we'll see what our
0: audience says. See if anybody comes up with yeah. similar sightings from other yeah. parts of the world. We'll yeah, let
1: you know. But it's just that that the condescension of people think, oh, I can explain this. Yeah. yeah. Like, Well, why would you, <laughs> why why would you think that I, when I it doesn't once, match any element of what I just told you? But you'll go to like that is your explanation.
0: You know, looking at uh, uh, Wikipedia and bios of yours online, Dave, in in preparation for you coming over here, it was amazing how many of them say you're baby faced. Do you (laughs) you work on that? Is it
2: still? (laughs) He writes that in his own bio. No, I think I've
1: been, I'm saying, I think that's what it'll read in the coroner's report on me. You (laughs) know, the (laughs) the deceased, the the baby faced deceased shows no signs of. Anything you can tell us what you got going?
0: What what kind of projects are coming in the future?
1: Uh, well, right now, I guess the main thing that's coming up it will be the uh, Fargo, which I think will probably be, start airing in the fall, I think, uh, is that. Uh, also, uh, in the process of trying to launch a, a UFO podcast. Awesome. With my friend Tom Wheeler, who's a novelist and uh, showrunner and uh, screenwriter.
2: What's What's going to be the name of, of your show?
1: The show is called uh, Really, uh, and it is… <laughs> Punctuated with a uh, with a question mark exclamation mark period because to me that's the transition it's you go from curiosity to being shocked to accepting that there is a UFO reality so it's like really or it's really? like really <laughs> really. <laughs>
2: So look, really? we finally really? flipped Dave <laughs> Foley. Yeah. He goes from kind of like a skeptic guy all the way up to seeing his own UFO. Mm-hmm. So really yeah. glad, you know, I've yeah. had a lot of fun.
1: Never a flat out skeptic, a skeptic of a lot of things.
2: Okay, so yeah. says you. Okay, fine. Yeah. But as a rationalist, I'm glad that you're actually looking at the evidence now. But anyway, yeah. I, thank you, you know, for your your friendship over this time about the UFO thing and just talking to me. I've learned a lot from you about how to look at the social dynamic and how people look at UFOs. So I really appreciate the way that you've put your mind in and kind of taught me how to think and look at this stuff and also how to just, you know, fuck off the haters. I appreciate yeah. everything <laughs> yeah. that you taught me, so thank you so much for joining us, dude. Thanks.
1: Never have so few
0: had so much to tell, but could say so little.
2: Follow and listen to the presentation of Jeremy Corbell, George Knapp, Dark Horse Entertainment, and Cadence 13 Studios. Available now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your shows.